I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 228. Well, out the gate, tell them about how great your coworkers are. Y'all, they are so damn good. How good are they? <laughs> One day this week, they surprised me with this, um, what they call them? Those little light up things? I don't know what they call them. But it's like the like kind of etched glass type things that you plug in and they change colors. And it had a picture of my dad and it had below that the song that dad like walked me down the aisle to. The song was I Get to Love You. And it looks like how your phone looks like when you're playing it, like it's so many seconds in kind of thing. And then at the bottom, it said, um, love you, baby girl, which is what my dad called me, which I thought was like so fucking special. And then the very next day, we were supposed to have this like video walkthrough at work where they're like making marketing things. And they lied to me and told me it was at a different time so that I put my makeup on and threw me a freaking wedding shower at lunch. And I was completely surprised like no idea they had food catered and presents and cake and cookies that cake was good because i just ate a piece it was so freaking awesome and i mean i had no idea and she got baller gifts too yeah they 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 came in clutch with those gifts i got one of those ninja foodies that's like the um pressure cooker and the air fryer in one it's a big one too (laughs) Well, because, you know, some of the air fries are, like, so little. It's like, I yeah. can fit two, two chicken strips in there. Yeah. So this one's supposed to be, like, bigger. We like them big. You know what else we like? Patreoners! Ooh. Thank you so much, Maritza A. from California. Sarah B. from Tennessee. Victoria N. from Virginia. Madison S. from Michigan. Kristen M. from Louisiana. Christina A. from New York. Tanya H. from Kentucky. And Amber B. from Missouri. I thought you were going to say Tennessee. <laughs> I already had a B from Tennessee. Thank y'all so, so much for joining Patreon. Hopefully you're enjoying all the bonus content, extra episode a freaking week, plus a Facebook slash YouTube. We're kind of working on which uh, platform, platform we like the best. Mm-hmm. A live a month. And thank you cards with stickers. So if you want all of that shiz that they're getting, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Okay, I actually watched something. Oh, shit, what? I know. Um, It's called The Girl in the Picture. You saw it? Mm -hmm. God damn it, of course you have. Duh. It's really good. Y'all should watch it. (laughs) I can't tell you anything about it because it'll tell you all the things. Yeah, yeah, you can. But it is really good. Okay, so I kind of had a Sixth Sense moment where at the very beginning when they were talking about it, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, B, C, D. Yes, duh. Yeah, and I was like, because I was watching TikTok or something and people were like, the ending's going to blow your mind. And I was like, I mean, did it blow my mind? Yes, but... Have I done that story before? Or I've watched something on that story or something. Like, some of that I knew. And I don't know how I knew it. Yeah. I didn't do the story. But, like, I kept going, did I do this story? No, I didn't do this story. Have I seen this on something? Like, I, you know... Yeah, I feel like a lot of fictional movies have done that plot line. So that might be why it's so, like... What? Like, in our brain. Yeah. But it is really good. It's on Netflix. Well, you want to know what else is good? Well, you know, but let's tell them. Apostrophe is back. Y'all know how much we love Apostrophe and how much it has helped our skin. Y'all, there's so many different choices out there on 
like what to do for your skincare and you're like I don't know do I need this or that or what are all these words what do they even mean some stuff says get this some stuff says don't get this but apostrophe just simplifies it for you so that it takes all this guesswork out of trying to figure out what's the best skincare for you do I get a chance to talk now well if you hurry up and tell them about the quiz and all of that she's even taking that well you know what we both took the quiz and it's super easy I had all the right answers Actually, her too, because you know why? The quiz is based on you, and that's how they pick what skincare works for you. You want to you join this party, Donna? <laughs> <laughs> I'm too busy using the skincare right now, okay? And, of course, I use it for my wrinkles, and I have some dark spots now. I say now, okay? Don't look at me. I'm just looking at your dark spots. <laughs> just kidding, because they're getting better. They really are. And I use it for wrinkles, rosacea, and the occasional acne flare-up, because... That still happens at 37, apparently. And it happens on everywhere. Your back, your butt, everywhere. You get freaking acne. Who knew? Well, Kenny Chesney. (laughs) Chesney, acne. I get it. Bad one. Okay, I'm going back here. When you have to explain it, like our podcast name, not good. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what is good? Freaking apostrophe. Carrie might have had all the right answers, but look, you go online. There's an online consultation, and it's going to be about your skin goals and your medical history. Then you snap a few selfies. We all love doing that. And a board-certified dermatologist will create your first customized treatment plan. I don't know why I got so excited, but you know what? Skincare gets me excited. We have a special deal for you. Get your first visit with an apostrophe provider for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash creep when you use our code creep. That's saving $15. And of course, this code is only available to y'all. So again, to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash creep creep and begin visit you click it then use our code creep at the sign up and you'll get your first visit for only five dollars go ahead you you want to i know you want i know you want to say make you want to holla well you want to just jump right into my story Mm -hmm. although i'm not doing a lot of jumping right now because i don't know if i told y'all this last time but uh i sprained my ankle walking into the chinese buffet about a week ago so i'm not doing much (laughs) jumping like legit fell out. Did I tell them this? No, it happened Sunday, I think. Okay. Yeah. Legit walking in to the Chinese buffet. This poor couple just walking past and it's on one of the main roads too, but this poor couple walking past me. I bust my butt. I don't I think they were like basically getting in their car. They may not have heard me, but their ears are bleeding because I was like <laughs> cause I was like, God damn motherfucker. That's <laughs> how I fell. <laughs> said he turned around and was like what happened? Like, he was like, I turned around and you're on the floor, like, the ground. <sighs> Fucking little concrete pavers got me. <laughs> All right, so now we really are going to get to my story. Now, picture it. Manila, Philippines, 1951. It was an ordinary day for Cornelio Closa and his friend Rudolfo Carmine as they were walking home from school. They were 13 years old and really good friends, and they're just talking, and they take a shortcut through a field like they always do. But today, something would happen that would change their lives forever. Okay, let me guess. Okay. They're going to find a stairwell. No. That's all I have. (laughs) Well, Cornelio 
froze in place. Rudolfo looked at his friend like, dude, what is going on? Let's go. But Cornelio was pale, his face frozen in a shocked and terrified state. Rudolfo recalled Cornelio's eyes so wide that they looked like they were bulging out of his sockets. Rudolfo asked what was going on, and that's when Cornelio finally spoke. He said that he saw a girl in a white dress, and she was smiling. She looked their age, and she had long, flowing hair, but something was odd about her. Her feet were not on the ground. They were hovering above the grass. He asked Rudolfo if he could see her too, but Cornelio was the only one who saw the girl. And just when Rudolfo thought things were as strange as they could get, Cornelio disappeared right in front of his eyes. What the fuck? So Rudolfo ran home, but they're right, they live right next to each other. They're like me and Tiffany back when we were kids. But when Rudolfo got to his house, he saw Cornelio standing outside of his. So Rudolfo, of course, questioned him like, how are you here already? Where did you go? What happened? All the things. Um, I know we've had to do this before, but not to break the fourth wall, but who cares? Um, we're recording on a Friday afternoon, and apparently this is the day that the neighbors like to mow their grass, and they just started. So if you hear that, that's what's going on. <laughs> We're sorry. Well, Cornelio said that the girl in the field was calling to him and she spoke directly to him without moving her lips. And then when she touched his hand, everything felt light and he blinked and he was at his house. So the two were shook as to what happened, but they decided to keep this to themselves. Like no one would believe him anyway, right? But things were never the same. Cornelio started to withdraw from his friends and his family. He was normally sweet and cheerful, but he became sullen and very confrontational. He was on the smaller side as a kid, but he started picking fights with guys much bigger than he was. But they weren't kicking his ass. Like, they couldn't even hardly hold him down when it was like three against one. It was like he had superhuman strength. A man named Lester Summerall, he wrote a book that included Cornelio's story, and it's called Alien Entities, and he interviewed one of Cornelio's teachers, and that teacher expressed how shaken up they were by the aggressive behavior, but even more so when they called Cornelio up to work a problem out on the blackboard. And when he got up there, Cornelio just vanished. What? Yeah, the teacher was very shaken up by it. And I mean, can you imagine having to explain what's going on to your class when you don't even know for sure? It's like he was there, then he got kind of translucent, and then invisible. Also, the teacher said that when this happened, Cornelio laughed, and it sounded like a laugh that would come out of some hideous creature, not a sweet 13-year-old boy. This teacher was so disturbed by what they witnessed that they ended up having a mental breakdown and they resigned from teaching. Jeez. But can I just say that I would have loved to be invisible when having to go to the board or being called on to read? No, when you had to go sharpen your pencil. All eyes fucking on you. It is the torture of all tortures. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also, I never wanted, I wanted to write on the projector because I thought it was cool, but also I felt like my shadow was going to be like 
really big, big and yes. stuff. So I was like, I don't wanna see. Okay, the the pencil sharpener thing for me was like that because I didn't want like my booty to shake while I was rant, rant, rant. <laughs> like I didn't want anything to be shaken. You know? Yeah. Well, my stomach would have been. That's shaken. what I'm saying though. Like not just like I mean I ain't got a booty. That's what I'm saying. Like it yeah. would be like oh god her she big you know. <laughs> well, and you don't do anything gentle. No, so I don't. It and she would have been like, oh, I like how it sounds when I do that. It has this weird clicking thing. It's very soothing. Meanwhile, people are like, oh, my God, can you stop? They're like, I'm trying to take the test. Can you please be quiet? <laughs> also, I remember in fifth grade, we were the very last. I think I've told this before. We were the very last class in the entire school to go to lunch. So by the time it came around, you were starving. But the class right before us, the teacher um, always brought like a lean cuisine my teacher had a microwave in her room so that teacher would come and microwave her shit and you could smell it and it was like we're all starving oh my god no you never told that story i'm like don't you know we're dying in here right also though like don't microwave your food in the classroom why did she have a microwave i wonder why i don't know i feel like no microwave food smells good no it doesn't but like if you literally bring a lean cuisine every single day Get your own microwave. Yeah. But also, don't they have that in the teacher's lounge? I don't know. She would do it, like, as her class was walking to the to the cafeteria. So I don't know that she would have had time, you know? Yeah. It's funny how we hold on to things, and that teacher probably doesn't even remember doing that. Mm-mm. You know? Meanwhile, skipped her, and she's like, you know, back in the day, I used to take a lean cuisine to school every day. That's how I kept my figure. <laughs> I tortured the poor chunky girl. <laughs> I used to always be so scared if someone was eating like a lean cuisine, like an adult, because that's who really would tell you this kind of shit. Like, I would be like, don't look at me. Don't look at me. Don't think that I need to be eating what you're eating. It's like, ugh. Also, meanwhile, I could eat seven lean cuisines and still not be full. (laughs) That is the smallest portion of food ever. It really is. Oh, God. Okay. Woo. Tangent. And I'm not the one that had cake. (laughs) Yeah. Talk about lean cuisines and I had cake before. (laughs) All right. Well, soon it became like Cornelia was skipping school because he didn't want to smell that lean cuisine. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, he would just vanish so often. So they're like, he's skipping school. Like something, it's not something supernatural. Like he's doing this. He said that whenever the girl appeared, he couldn't control anything. It's like she filled him with an indescribable sensation, and it was like she forced him to vanish and follow her. But his parents were stressed out because they thought he was just acting out because he was so aggressive and everything, and it was so different. And so they're like, great, a 13-year-old rebel on our hands here. So his father was like, all right, here's the thing. I'm going to physically walk him to school. I'm going to see him get inside. Like, there's no way he can just skip the school. But there would be times that Cornelia vanished from class still. Slippery little sucker. (laughs) So his family put locks on all the windows and doors, but he would still just disappear. 
And now it was right in front of them. And if the door was shut, it appeared as if he walked right through it and then vanished. And his attitude kept getting worse and worse. His temper was almost animalistic. He would growl and snarl and throw dishes to the ground when he was angry. It was like he couldn't control his anger and his strength was far beyond what it should have been. And once he even attacked his dad, then he started to act up in different ways, like stealing money from his parents. He would hide important objects like keys and stuff around the house that his parents needed, just being a jerk. And the more he disappeared, the weirder it got. Even though the disappearing was normal, quote unquote, in the household, when he would vanish, he started to leave behind a stench. Oh, Yeah, it got so foul that his siblings or anyone near him would start to cough and vomit, you know, dry heave, all the things. Like, they could not stand that smell. Also, he was beginning to be gone for longer periods of time. Sometimes he'd be missing for, like, two or three days. Jeez. And he's 13. Right. The family would be upset until they'd check in his room one day and just find him sleeping peacefully like he had been there the whole time. And with Cornelio being so unruly and beyond their control, his parents decided that they needed to go and get him checked out and just, like, is there something wrong with him, you know? So they took him to a mental hospital. He underwent exams and all the things, but no one could find anything medically wrong with him. The doctors told him, hey, he's normal, but they knew he was anything but normal. He would go invisible. How's that normal? So his parents were at their wits end. Cornelio was a completely different person. They didn't even think he was a person now. They thought more of him as a monster and living with him was unbearable. But it wasn't all roses for Cornelio either. He was unable to sleep. And whenever he tried, it was like his whole body was on fire and he would be soaked in sweat. He said he didn't even want to act how he was acting, but it just came out like that. Like, even though he knew he was doing wrong how he was acting, he was unable to control himself. His parents decided it would be best if they sent Cornelio to a juvenile center. But he was acting out so bad there that the center like had to tie him down to his bed. And when he still would like act out, disappear, all the things, they just kicked him out. Of course, his parents took him back into their house. They loved their son. They just knew that whatever Cornelio was right now wasn't the son they knew before. Cornelio continued to disappear again for days on end, and later in interviews, he said that he and the girl would go to movies, they'd go to restaurants too, and they would disappear right before the check came, and then they were invisible together, so they would cause mischief and then just revel in the chaos, you know? They would steal from people because no one could see them, you know, they'd sneak into places like the fairs. And then they turn visible, but no one knew that they had snuck in. When he was with the girl, Cornelio had no perception of time. He didn't feel tired. He never even felt really hungry. And he became obsessed with the girl and their travels. 
he said that he would only focus on when she would come and get him. He didn't care for anything else, which is why he acted so rude and shit. Like he was just like, leave me alone. I don't want to fucking talk to you. And he was just like waiting until he heard her calling for him until he finally saw her again. So fast forward a little bit, and now the Closa family have been living a nightmare for a year. His parents sought help from their local priest. And so the priest came over to have lunch, but it was really just like a ruse to assess the situation with Cornelio. Well, lunch was cut short when Cornelio spoke to the priest in like a really deep demonic tone. And the priest was like, that's the voice of the devil. He tried to help with prayer, like put his hand on Cornelio, you know, and like prayed over him. And Cornelio vanished right in front of his eyes. Like his hand was on Cornelio and then Cornelio wasn't there. So this priest, he was like, "Mm, you need someone else to help you. But I think I know a person. And that's when he turned to an American missionary named Lester Summerall. Remember, he wrote the book Alien Entities. Anyway, the Closa family went to visit Lester at a church. He was holding a three-night salvation and healing revival at it. Well, when Cornelio reached the doors, he started acting rowdy, rowdy, bowdy, bowdy again. (laughs) So Lester, of course, noticed this. And he approached Cornelio and asked what was going on. Well, the priest who had told Lester about it was like, this is the bad boy who disappears a lot. And Lester was like, okay, and by disappearing, you mean, because when someone hears that, it's like, oh, he ran away from home. Right. Like, he's a bad kid, and he ran away from home. And the priest was like, vanishing in front of our eyes. He vanishes. So Lester was like, 10-4, good buddy, turned to Cornelio, and he was like, when he locked eyes with Cornelio, he got goosebumps all over his body. Cornelio explained that he saw the girl again, but this time she looked different. Before, she was beautiful and nice. She seemed like an angel. He really thought she was an angel, but now she looked different while he was inside this church. I went straight to She's the Man when she goes, and now I see you for who you truly are. Ugly. Yes. Oh, my God. Do you watch Virgin River? Mm Mm-mm. Well, the main character in Virgin River, she is Amanda Bynes' brother. His girlfriend. Is it Monica? No. Yes. Monique. Monique. Yeah, it's her. God, I love that movie. Problematic now, but I mean, it was problematic then. We just were, we just didn't understand. Yeah. But, uh, God, I love that movie. It's got so many good, like, lines. And Channing Tatum was hilarious in it. Yes. That was like before the, oh my God, he's so hot. Like, he was funny. Yeah. I mean, he was hot in there, too. I mean, duh, but I mean, he was funny, though. Yeah. When he opened up his phone, like, because it was a flip phone or whatever. Yes. Oh, my God. Okay, sorry. Whew. The episode with tangents. Okay, so the now ugly girl, Monique. No, I'm just joking. But she was beckoning him to come with her. And so he hid his face. You know, he was like, I can't come with you. And when he looked up, she looked so scary. Cornelia said that she didn't even look like a human anymore. Her features were all twisted and terrifying. So upon hearing this, Lester was like, she's a demon. And she had disguised herself as a teen 
in order to get Cornelio to trust her, but she has a hold on you and we have to exercise her right away. And so the family was like, whatever you need to do, you do, Lester. And so they let him perform the rite of exorcism. And after they were finished, Cornelio seemed to be back to his old self. It was as simple as that, but Lester was exhausted. He was just physically drained. But right after the exorcism, Cornelio said he felt free. He was able then to talk more about the girl, and he said that she would sometimes be mean to him if he didn't obey, and so that's why he would act very rude and everything to his friends and family. Also, Cornelio confessed that the girl did not like his parents because they tried to stop him from disappearing, and so she would tell him mean things about them. And then he said that on multiple occasions, she asked him to leave with her and never come back. But he was too scared to say yes, so he never answered her. Thankfully, things returned to normal in the Closa household. Cornelio was his joyful, sweet self again, and he never disappeared again. Then, 13 years later, in 1965, Cornelio finally broke his silence and gave a very rare interview with the United Press International. And that interview kind of made his name more where people everywhere knew about him. Before, it was just a few clergy members who knew about it and, you know, who helped exercise him and all the things. Cornelio was now 25, married, and had two kids. Before the two men interviewed him, he had his wife take their kids out of the home because he never wanted them to know about what had happened, but he had told his wife before. I was just wondering that. Like, was she like, you did what? Right? You went with who? (laughs) Well, people are definitely skeptical of this whole thing, but everyone who said they witnessed it stands by what they saw. And Cornelio and his family did not try to make money off of this or anything. They all tried to live happy, normal lives afterwards. And so that is the story of the invisible boy, Cornelio Closa. I don't so much know about him going invisible. What if he astral projected or something? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you really go invisible. I don't know. I don't really know anything about astral projection because I can't get you to do a damn story. You know what? I'm going to do one. I don't know. But like, again, this is one of those things that no one made money off of this. You're right about that. And so I, I, but, well, I don't know. But that's a lot of people, though, being like, you know, I saw it. Yeah. And like that teacher quit. I, I don't know. I don't either. I never heard about this. And again, just Googling away and saw Invisible Boy. So I was like, oh, this is something that's going to be like one paragraph, you know, nothing solid. And then I was like, wait, what? Well, also, you tripped me up because you said that guy was the author of that damn um, alien alien entities. shit. And I was like, oh, fucking shit. It's going to be alien shit. And I think, Mm-mm. it's a demon. <laughs> I don't know. I can't. I, I, like physically, it's impossible to just disappear. Like you can't. Like I can't just be like, let me just Alex Mack out of here, even though she didn't actually disappear. But you yeah. know what I mean? Well, everything's impossible until it's possible. You get that off a Hallmark card? <laughs> no, I got it off of Kim Possible. I don't believe in him disappearing. I don't buy it. It's impossible. Well, people ghost me every day. Well, that's a different type of ghost. <laughs> It's because you're a demon. Uh, Yeah, you're not wrong. 
and hard to deal with, ma'am. Hey, now. <laughs> they Just, like it when it's hard. When they're hard, not you. <laughs> Quit making this about you, Leo. All right, tell us about the real monster here in your story. <sighs> God, y'all. Whew. It's a doozy. But first, we're going to talk about magic mind. It really is magic for your mind because y'all know that if I have too much caffeine, like, you know, the time that I had, uh, like two things of coffee in the day and I was like jittery from the inside out. Like you could hear colors. Yes. Basically that is it. Well, I can't have coffee like that, but sometimes I need the energy boost. And so something like magic mind, perfect for me. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Perfect. Exactly. Because it's one little shot. You shake it, shake it, shake it like you're shimmying up the goodness in there. And then you shoot it back. We all like that. And it gives you so much energy. It can help you just clear your mind and help you focus. And you know I need that. So does Carrie. It can even help with your anxiety, stress, and then keep you from crashing. Now, I will say... I don't know what it is, but when I get super stressed out, uh, my upper lip will quiver some. And it's like, I'm trying to be Elvis, but I'm not. But with all the fancy ingredients in Magic Mind, it will help alleviate that stress and give you energy. Yes, no more quivering lip. So when you're picturing Magic Mind, you know, in your mind, it's a little shot of green juice, but it has all the goodness inside of it. And seriously, you can just shoot it back or if you're Gary and she ain't got a big mouth, you take a few sips. This girl thinks she knows me. I do. But that's okay because it almost tastes like grapefruit and greens to me. And so you just shoot it back and you really do feel better. The energy is great. And again, it doesn't keep me up until, you know, all hours of the night like coffee does. So if you want to feel better in the mornings, be happier, have a better mood, be sharp and focused. What are you, cheddar cheese? You're going to go to magicmind.co slash paranormal. That is magicmind.co slash paranormal. M-A-G-I-C-M-I-N-D dot co, C-O slash paranormal. So when you go to magicmind.co slash paranormal, you can use the promo code paranormal20 and you get 40% off your first subscription or 20% off your first one-time purchase. And that is just in the next 10 days. So there is a time limit. So go ahead, get your magic mind on. One more time, that's magicmind.co, that's C-O, not C-O-M, slash paranormal and use the promo code paranormal 20 and you'll get 40 percent off your first subscription or 20 percent off your first one-time purchase okay you know how we talked about all the extra goodness that you get in the patreon well as part of that uh, a separate facebook group that is only for people in the creepy naughty is one of those benefits and in said group Melissa L. recommended this story and holy train wreck. So this is a story of the worst. This is a story of Jamie Osuna and we hate him. Okay. On March 7th of 1988, Jamie is born and his mom and his dad divorce about a year after he's born. His mom, Michelle, starts dating this other guy and at some point... Jamie's dad 
like attacks the new guy. It's just kind of like a toxic situation all around. And as with most of the killers and all in my stories, that's how their lives start. Full of toxicity and abuse and hatred. And it spills over into their lives. So Jamie's mom's boyfriend, his name's Jeff. Sorry, I know this is a lot of names. But he's a shit human too. And he has the mentality of um, rule with an iron fist. But it's out of hand in the ways that he abuses Jamie. As that he's disciplining him. Air quotes around that. Because he ain't disciplining him. He's abusing him. Yeah, and now this is Jeff this the... Not stepfather, but like the... Boyfriend, yeah. Yeah. To be honest, I'm not sure if they ever got married, but they did have a kid together. But like one time, Jeff threw Jamie out of a moving truck. What? Yes. And then he was actually arrested and charged with unjustifiable punishment to a child, which... So Um, is there justifiable punishment to a child that would get you arrested? Right. (laughs) This is what he did. He tied Jamie to a tree to beat him. (gasps) No. Yes. That reminds me of another story you did. Yes. Well, and here's the thing is that this was in like 1993. So Jamie would have been what, six? Don't ask me to do math. Then at some point, one of Jamie's uncles, when he's only eight, throws a brick at him. So the uncle threw a brick at eight-year-old Jamie? Yes. Oh, my gosh. And this is just the abuse we know. You know that if if you're finding out about some of the abuse, there's a lot going on behind closed doors that you never know about. And when Jamie was 12 years old, he was finally moved in with his maternal grandmother. Like, he was taken away from the parents and moved in with the maternal grandmother. Now, at some point, Jamie, and I don't know, you know, he's just got a lot of anger. And I don't know if it's part of that or he grew up in kind of a poor neighborhood. And maybe he felt like this was his only way of survival. But he did eventually join a gang. And at 15 years old, he was arrested for stabbing another kid. Oh, my gosh. Well, in 2008, Jamie meets a woman at a house party, and they end up dating for two years, and they get married February of 2010. But in August of 2010, Jamie is actually arrested for a domestic violence situation, and he's sentenced to nine months in jail, but he eventually was like an early release on parole. And then they had a son together. He had some other issues with law enforcement, drug possession, like assault and battery type things. But it wasn't until 2011, when he was 23 years old, that he told his wife to be watching the news for what happened at the El Morocco Motel. Well, that's ominous. So 37-year-old Yvette Pena had been living at the motel. There is an amazing podcast that y'all have to listen to about this because, look, the little 30-minute version of this story that I'm doing does not do it justice. You really need to go listen to the podcast, The Man with a Thousand Faces, because it is so good. It's like six episodes about this story, so please, please go listen to it. But some of this background, well, all this background I got on Yvette came from this podcast. And from Yvette's sister. But please go listen to it because it was really good. So Yvette had a very hard life from the beginning. You know, 
by the time that she was living in that hotel, she had been through so, so much. At that point, she had addictions to drugs and alcohol because she was self-medicating for what she had been through in life. When she was 10 years old, she had a younger sister that was born, and that younger sister had a lot of medical complications. Well, their mother, who they said in that podcast after some testing, they realized that their mother had um, the like brain capacity of a nine-year-old. Oh my gosh. She was like 15 when she had Yvette, and then, of course, 10 years later when she had the little sister. So... Yvette was 10, her little sister was born, like I said, lots of medical complications, and at the time, the mother was dating a drug dealer that was actually doing really well, so he had lots of money. Instead of making the baby stay in the hospital, they were able to bring her home with like all the machines and stuff to keep her alive at home, but what that piece of shit boyfriend would do was he began to tell Yvette that if she didn't do what he wanted her to do, that he would take the machines away. And, of course, he wanted sexual acts as payment for the machines from 10-year-old Yvette. Oh, my gosh. And so this poor 10-year-old thinks that if she doesn't do what he wants, that her little sister is going to die. Yeah. And then he tells her, if you tell anybody or if you stop doing it, I'm going to start doing it to her, too. Oh, my gosh. That is like that man I hate on Green Mile. Yes. Kill him with their love. Yes. Yes. So, after about two years of this, Yvette can't take anymore. And so, she finally does report it. When the mom takes her to get checked out, to, like, prove everything, they are like, let's check the little girl, too. Like, just to be sure. (gasps) And he had been abusing the two-year-old as well oh my gosh so her sister was talking about how much Yvette like internalized that and took it like she couldn't protect her she was dealing with that and and living through hell and torture to save her sister and she couldn't save her bless it oh my gosh and her sister was talking about how her mom even though you know the man was eventually convicted the mom never helped her get counseling or anything like that yeah and that had a very hard time and always wanted to find love and unconditional love and so by the time she was 15 she had her first child because she wanted to find love she like I said she was having children to find that unconditional love that she felt like she couldn't find anywhere else yeah Yvette has difficulties with alcohol and starting using pot But eventually, her kids were taken from her as she started using harder drugs. At that point, she had four. Then, when she got pregnant with her fifth child, that child was taken from her immediately because the other four had been taken. And so, when you have, basically, she's like red flagged. So, it's like she has any kid at that point. It just is immediately taken from her. But one day, she calls her sister, and she had actually been arrested for some drug offenses And she tells her sister, like, look, I actually hid this from you. I had a baby while I'm in jail. She's Again, she was just saying, like, I just want something to love me. I just want a kid. So her sister, like, bails her out and does everything that she can to try to help her get her kids back. She did all of the rehabs and the meetings and everything. And to the point where 
that charge was actually dropped because she was doing so much to better herself and get out of her addiction and all of that. And she was working towards getting her baby back. Yvette eventually missed an appointment and that derailed everything of her getting her kid back. So everything halted and she went back to using drugs as a way to cope of not being able to get her kid back. And she felt, of course, like there was nothing left for her. And so she started using drugs again. And that's how she ended up back in this motel when her world collided with Jamie Osana. We honestly don't know how they got together. We don't know what made the two of them be in that hotel room. We honestly don't know what made the two of them, how they ended up in that motel room at the same time, a crime of opportunity. We don't know. But we do know that Jamie had told his wife to be checking for the news and an employee called the police to say that they had found Yvette Pena's body. Police talk about how horrific of a crime scene it was and that she had already begun to decompose. She had, quote, stabbing instruments protruding from her back. Oh my gosh. They put multiple different causes of death, but blunt force trauma, sharp force injuries, and asphyxia as her causes of death. And again, she was this 37-year-old mother of six kids. When her sister found out about the murder and she went to the funeral home to, you know, handle all the funeral arrangements, and she was asking them, like, can I please see her one more time? And they're like, you, you can't. Like, there's too much decomposition you can't like we couldn't even bring her into the funeral like we can't have like any type of open casket like we have to cremate her she had too much decomposition we have no choice and she was like well can I you know at least see her again please just let me see her and they're like you you can't you can't see her and she said in that podcast man of a thousand faces she was like, can we, can I at least just have like a lock of her hair? And they like, well, let me, let me check. And they went and checked. And they're like, we can't, there's too much blood. Like they couldn't even get a clean lock of hair for her sister. Oh my God. That is fucking gut wrenching. So I honestly didn't find much of what all that he did to her. I do know that he sexually assaulted her, but from everything I've seen, it, it was, it was pretty bad. I feel so bad for her that he raped her. I thought the same thing. I mean, obviously that he killed her and was so brutal, but it's like, God, you know, that that just happened in her childhood and wrecked her. Exactly. And I want to say, too, that I did see somewhere um, where, like, she was definitely alive through some of that torture. Oh, my gosh. I mean, she was tortured. When Jamie's wife had been told to watch the news, she did go to police to say, hey, he told me someone had been stabbed. Like... I don't know what's going on, but, like, you should know this. Yeah. Which, of course, they ignored. Oh, gosh. And then when the call came in from the employee that found her, they were like, wait a minute. What's that you say? Uh-huh. Who told you that again? So he was on police's radar. He did nothing to clean up the crime scene. There's all kinds of evidence left. Semen, blood, fingerprints, all the things. But at first, he wants to go to trial because he's definitely getting pleasure by the pain that he's causing in the ripple effects. Mm -hmm. And the trials were pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And I'm talking like six years. Holy Hannah. But eventually, so Jamie Osana had said no to like all of these interviews. 
But the person who does the podcast that I was telling you about, Olivia LaVoice, she does an interview with him. And she was like very new. And for some reason, he just like spilled his guts to her. And she had all this on recording of him confessing to doing it. What? In this jailhouse interview, he's like, yeah, I did it. And if you let me out, I'm going to do it again. And I really like killing people. And he tell he says that he's killed two other people. Oh, my gosh. He said one when he was like 13 or 12. I can't remember how old. And she asks him, like, does this have anything to do with gang activity? And he was like, no. And he, like, alludes to that he was, like, an apprentice, that somebody was teaching him how to murder, and that... Obviously not, if you left all the shit well, he's, at the thing. No, because he says he did that on purpose. He said that at that point, he was tired of living in society and just wanted to be like, I'm done with this. Let's move on. Unsure. He's a killer that... And then when he... She's like, so, you want to be known as a serial killer? And he's like, no, I'm not a serial killer. Like, he's better than that. He's also one who, like, his face had so many tattoos. And he had a lot of gang tattoos that he, like, covered up with others. He tattooed, um, like, a Joker smile on his face. He's very obsessed with the Joker. Through all of this, would, like, send messages, like, send letters and stuff to um, the DAs. And would be like, why so serious? Like, all that stuff. Like, obsessed with the Joker and that persona. But also, like tried to pretend like he's a Satanist. He would like, he tattooed a pentagram on his forehead because it's, it's a shtick. Like he's trying to scare people. Uh It's like, no, you're not a real Satanist. Like you're just, you're, you're, you're there for the shock value. You're just trying to scare people. And can you stop trying to give Satanists a bad name? Thank you. Right. So right before the trial was set to begin, he, the family was finally like, you know what? It's okay. Because he, Even with a confession, like, you can't take a plea on a death penalty case. So they had to be like, okay, let's drop it down. And so right as the trial was set to begin, he pled guilty to her murder and was sentenced to life in prison. But the whole time, he would, like, smile and, like, give the family thumbs up and just try to, like, torment Yvette's family in this courtroom. Wow. It's, he's, he's really fucking terrible. But I also feel, again, like it's a little bit of a shtick. Like, he's not actually this, like, scary person that he's pretending to be. Right. And he does things intentionally, and because he's really smart. And he does things in times to get what he wants, I feel like. Like, he wouldn't tell anything about the two other alleged murders, because he's like, no, I'm not telling that. Basically, because, like... I've got to have something else up my sleeve. Mm-hmm. But the story of Jamie Osana doesn't end there. So Jamie Osana had just been given a cellmate, Louise Romero. And Louise had been in prison for like over 20 years for um, a conviction from when he was like 16. Like it was like gang stuff. So he had spent like 27 years in prison for a murder charge from when he was like 16 years old. And it was gang-related, and it seemed like he had actually been doing pretty good in in prison. He was coming up on parole, and from what I can see, he might have actually been going to get parole. So right after Luis had changed prisons and come to the prison where Jamie Osana is, they were put in as cellmates. Now, Jamie Osana had never had a cellmate before because he had always said, like, no, don't give me one. I'm going to kill him. Well, on March 9th, of 2019, 
the guards were making their rounds when they found another horrific crime scene. I mean, like... So descriptive. (laughs) So using a razor-like blade on a handle. So like a shank. Yeah, but like... But made from like a razor. So Mm -hmm. yeah, but they're all shanks. But a shank could be like something... A toothbrush they whittled down. Like this had a razor blade attached to it. Yeah. So with this makeshift knife, Jamie tortured Luis. He cut out one of his eyes. chopped off one of his fingers he ended up removing some of his ribs slicing out a part of his lung and ultimately beheaded him oh my god with that little yes what so how then he used the knife to cut out the joker smile in louise oh my gosh when the guards found him he was wearing a necklace made out of Luis's body parts. Ooh, that's like egg game. He had written in blood, ha 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 ha, all over the walls. The thing is, is that thing is, there's a lawsuit because they're saying that the prison guards didn't do rounds as often as they should have because this would have taken hours. And if they were actually checking the cells like they should have been, then this could have been not maybe not prevented, but not been this gruesome. I don't understand why people who have life in prison have roommates because what he has nothing else to lose. So yeah, but they have nowhere else to put people. No, I know. But like people who have life in prison have nothing else to lose. But there's literally we we have the biggest prison population in the world. They're all Mm -hmm. overcrowded. Like you can't give people their own cells. Like it's just impossible. Yeah. No, I get it. But it's logistically, you know. Yeah. But here's the thing. This is not the first time that Jamie Osana had actually attacked a cellmate. The first time they tried to give him a cellmate, he was stabbed and his face was slashed. And he had to have 67 stitches. So again, I say... He should have never had a cellmate. He specifically said, like, you give me one, I'm going to kill him. Mm-hmm. But the hard part is, though, is it's like, how do you, like, not let them win? Because... If you're like, well, let me just give him everything he wants. You know what I mean? Right. But also, you're playing with people's lives. Right. Yeah, he should have never been given a cellmate to begin with. And that's part of the issues. And they've deemed that he's not competent to stand trial. And I just don't, I don't buy that part. Like, like, oh, he has schizophrenia and all this other stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but he knows what he's doing. Yeah. He knows what he's doing is wrong. And he thinks it's funny. And it's, you know, I, I just, I just don't buy it and it's not a frenzied kind of attack like it is but he's doing specific things you know but i think it's also like almost his like joker persona where it's like like a slow meticulous like you see what i'm saying yeah like death by a thousand cuts kind of thing but i'm just saying like if he was schizophrenic and things like that i feel like it'd be more frenzied And, you know, how he's doing it, no, it's methodical. He's, like you said, he's torturing these people. That's not because of his mental disorder. Now, I do think that he, I think it's very possible that he's schizophrenic. I don't think that because he's not, because he's methodical, he's not schizophrenic. Right. I don't, I don't think that. I'm just saying, like, his attacks and stuff. I don't know. I just. And, and to, like. He started covering up a lot of his gang tattoos with other stuff because he's creating this persona. You know, like, so this is a picture of him when he 
when he was first arrested, and you could really see like the Joker. Um, he has like the thing over his eyebrow, like a clown thing, you know, and then he has like the smile. But he didn't have the pentagram on his forehead. He didn't have all of that. And one thing that broke my heart so much too when I was listening to that podcast about him was saying that um, Yvette was terrified of clowns. It was like the only thing she was scared of. Oh my gosh! And her sister was like, "For that to be the last, for that to be the last thing that she saw." Yeah. But like, okay, versus him now. Well, first of all, he's like yawning in one of these pictures because he's so <laughs> bored with his trial. Yeah. But you see, like, it's like. He's got so many tattoos now that you can't even really see the Joker thing. And it's like, yeah. you know, he's got the pentagram on his forehead and all that. And it's really just a shtick, I feel like. Like, he's like, okay, I'm not this um, pr- I'm not this gang member anymore. Um, I'm this vicious, malicious killer now, you know? Yeah. But I'm also a Satanist. But, like, I'm also not a serial killer, but I've killed three people. But, like, also, I had this mentor, but, like, I'm really heinous. Yeah, he's just... No, does he do some really absolutely terrible things? Absolutely. For sure. And are all of these families affected? Absolutely. But he wants to seem badder ass than he actually is. (laughs) Badder ass. Yeah. Now, I mean, do I want to be in a room with him? Fuck no. No. I got too much surface that he can slice and dice. Mm -mm. And he, he, uh, he does do really terrible crimes. Like, he... I mean, you can't not have issues and and really kind of be some of the stuff that you're portraying to be when you cut people up the way that you cut them up and torture them the way that you've done. Like, right. He's not just like, oh, let me pretend to be the Joker. Like, he does have some of that, but it's exaggerated. Right. I think. Yeah, I do, too. Also, I love a face tattoo, but I don't like his. No, his are terrible. Well, y'all tell us what y'all think. Do you think one that, uh, oh, boy, actually disappeared... And do you think that, I don't, I, well, I'm going to change the way I said it. Because I was going to say, do you think he actually is as heinous as he says he is? Because he is. But he is, Because yeah. he did those two terrible murders. But, like, it's just still, some some of the stuff is such a front to me. Like, like the, the courtroom drama of, like, giving him the thumbs up and, like, waving to him and yawning because he's so bored. Like, that, to me, is the put on. Yes, that's the act. Like, he's just doing that to get a rise out of them and be like, I'm so clever. <laughs> right. Joke's on y'all. And and also the the tattoos and the Satanism and all that that he's doing to instill fear in people because like he wants people to be afraid, afraid of him. Yeah. And I just do not buy that he left all of that evidence on purpose because if you were over it, you would have done like a mass murderer thing like and then get me now and you know what I mean? He would have just like burned the earth. If he was really the person he is right, like putting on, he would have scorched the earth and then been like, because <laughs> I'm done with y'all, you know? Right. Not this one woman who's in this room. Now, is it terrible? Yes. But I'm just saying, I feel like he, he just didn't know what to do. Well, and her sister even talked about how she was, a, she was scrappy. Like she could hold her own. And the sister was like, when I saw him, like, he's so little. I like, was about to say, he... he's a little. But it's it looks like maybe the first, like, the first blunt force trauma was to the back of Yvette's mm. head. So, like, he's had to come at her from behind uh-huh. and hit her. 
And then there's no telling. Luis was probably asleep when he attacked him. Right. When it really comes down to it, he has to attack him when they're asleep, attack him from behind, or whatever. Because you're not as badass as you think you are. Yes. Well, I'm glad he's still in prison. Yes. And ain't never getting out. And I don't know what's going to happen because that with the um, the guards and all that's like still really fresh. So if anybody knows anything on that, keep us posted on what's happening with that situation. Oh, Lord. Thank y'all so much for the recommendations and for listening and supporting us. Don't forget to like, review, subscribe on all the things. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.